Hello everyone, welcome to another Azure podcast. So this podcast will be available on the usual Azure-centric uh, social media uh, and you can see this on the um, YouTube channel. So today we're going to talk about Azure News. But with me, I have my good friend that is already a usual on the Azure centric podcasts that is Andrew Lowe's. How are you, my good friend? Hello, Marcos. Uh, I'm doing really well. Actually, it's uh, we're coming out of the, a bit of a rainy season and into some sunshine a little bit. So I think the, the whole world could use a little bit more sunshine these days. I'll yes, take it. yes, we are. Uh, finally, the, the good warm uh, weather is is arrived at our city, right, in Calgary. So it's just a matter of um, using uh, and, and abuse on the, on the outdoors. Now that we have a little bit more um, freedom, let's call it this way, because we've been, we've been enclosurated in our homes uh, with all of these COVID things. So, uh, yeah, but this is not what we are talking about today, right? On this Azure centric podcast. It's not about COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's, it's, it's the team that every single one wants to talk about it, but we like to extrapolate that and going to a different direction and talk about Azure in this case, Azure news. So two weeks ago, more or less, depending on where you're seeing this, uh, this podcast, uh, happens one of the biggest Microsoft events. In this case, it was a developer event, and it was the Microsoft Build. For the first time, uh, because of this pandemic, it was 100% online. Um, I don't know if you saw the numbers, quite impressive, uh, the number of attendees, Let's see if Microsoft doesn't uh, really get excited about that and doesn't do any more uh, of those events that me and you really want to be in person there, uh, that we are able to, to manage and to learn and to networking so much and that we love um, by participating on those because it was quite different. I don't know if you do... If you did participate on the on the event, did you? Uh, I did attend a couple of sessions. Um, there's a there's a there's a few developers that uh, that I still follow pretty closely. Um, you know, not the least is uh, of course my my deep love for PowerShell. Um, you know, I feel Microsoft has given uh, you know IT professionals a bit of a gift. And it's up to us to open the gift and use it. So, you know, we all have uh, different skills and talents. Um, I've been really lucky that uh, I figured out I can, I can do some administrative and some uh, design tasks. And uh, I, I like to think that I do okay in PowerShell. So uh, it kind of leads You've me been modest. You're doing road. more than okay. We've been working <laughs> together and... <laughs> You're doing more than okay, but, but that's okay. So from the recent news, since in this case, um, since uh, build, what is the one that you, the news that you saw that we really like? We were, 
discussing this as building the agenda for the podcast today, but I think we are sharing the same love for this picture. Uh, can you tell a little bit more about it? Oh, I would love to. So we were talking a bit about the Azure Image Builder. Uh, right now it's in preview, and I think it's just a, a fantastic development that the, the Azure team has released uh, into the preview environments for us. So it gives us the ability to deploy an image, to make the customizations, and then submit it into the builder service. And then that service does its kind of jiggery-pokery magic. And out the other end to the Azure store comes your custom image yes. ready to deploy. When, so, you, when you meant the Azure store, I just want to clarify that is the Azure shared image gallery. It's not like, correct. because when we say that a lot of the customers are, and I'm starting to already hear them on my, on my hearsay, I don't want my image to be available for every single one. So this is private. Okay. We still, we still, we already got the possibility of uploading our Azure images, but the process was not as efficient as this one because that's, that is yeah. a thing that is i don't know what's your opinion about it but that's the thing that i was looking for that i did uh, demonstrate that i think was two or three weeks ago to a, a customer of mine and now that this is available it will make our life way easier what are your thoughts about this um this new new feature of azure Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, we both agree the, the previous uh, iteration was a little bit, uh, like we say, kludgy. Um, it was hit and miss. And, you know, sometimes you'd have these erroneous errors, but it would go through. Other times uh, you'd get an error that would come up and, you know, you have to go down kind of the rabbit hole and troubleshoot all kinds of different things. Uh, this service is a little bit more streamlined. So it allows you to deploy uh, kind of a standardized uh, Azure image. You can integrate this also with, um, you know, Chef and Terraform and, you know, other endpoints within your environment. And like you said, it is private. So uh, when I think of the Azure store, uh, you're right, I should be more specific. It's the private image gallery for your tenant only. So your not publishing your bobs you're staying in your own environment so that that's a good one to to make sure we get clear um, the other thing is is this is available uh, generally uh, you know there's specific regions of course but uh, generally in the US and in Europe on preview right now so you can you know create some resources in one of those regions and test this out um, It is region specific, of course, as are many previews. Um, they don't want to push it out until they've, they've worked out any uh, kind of hidden issues. So, of course, with preview features, we do want to keep that in mind. There might be something uh, in the background that hasn't been sorted out fully yet. But don't worry about that. Submit your, your bug reports like always when it's in preview. Never use a preview feature for production. 
never, ever. <laughs> we always say that, and it's so hard because, as as you know, we you know you deploy something as a test, and you know, kaboom! All of a sudden, it's a production yes. test, and we can never get rid of it. And then we have this weird one-off system that does like this one very special task, and that's great. Maybe it does it very well, but you know. Four years from now where we revisit and we go, oh, geez, yeah, what the heck was up with that? We have to try and get this modernized. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree. We have all of this and, and that could be another Azure podcast telling, telling basically stories about how a test environment or a developing environment, it's now production and suddenly saying, hey, can you help us fix this? But that's not the purpose of this one for now. And the answer is yes, we can help you. <laughs> we can help you definitely with that for sure. <laughs> but one of the things You're that right. I like Thank about you, this, I, and this I, is a very neat yeah. service that I, I was really looking forward to it. I, I did some kind of automations because one of the things that I like, and they already become this available on a preview, is the possibility of patching already existing images and mm -hmm. that i think it's the differentiates because if we compare this what we already have today that basically is you build your own image uh, basically on-prem on your laptop and then you upload that you you are uploading the entire image again becomes a new version of that image so you need to be very very um, in this case, method with a very good methodology and documentation to make sure that the version that you are uploading is the correct version and the version that you are using, it's, it's the good one. Uh, because when you're doing all of these shared images, um, and especially on your Azure tenant, it's really, it's really important to just make sure that you are updated because then follows what you have on, on Azure. Because when you're talking about images, in this case, the, the, the image that is on the gallery, you are allowed to choose the three versions of the same image. What does that mean? Means that you are allowed to use that images um, with three, the last uh, update. So meaning that Patch Tuesday, everyone knows about Patch Tuesday. So basically you are saying that I want the last version. So the, the 2016, uh, for example, or 2019 with the last Patch Tuesday or the two previous ones, if I want to go on that path, right? And that it's scripted by the JSON, by the ARM template and everything else. It's where you define that uh, usually. But this part of be able to patch existing images. So when you're doing all your customizations, like you mentioned, another part very important that this is already, the image is already built with Ashcore Packer. So mean that it's highly integrated with, with Terraform and you can always import those Parker shells. Um, it's really important, I think, for for everyone because now um we have those image galleries that they are good as a starting point but there are a lots of customizations that that you can do so powershell dsc could be one of them for example 
and now you have you can distribute these across the world and you can have exactly the same team that builds that image to be able to to distribute on, oh, on that tenant across across the the subscriptions right yeah and like you were saying it's so critical to push those updates and have that standardized gold image that we we refer to uh kind of in, in amongst our technical circles and the beauty of this like you said it, it uses the HashiCorp uh, packer to do the the image build and part of that integration is that uh, it leads to a bit of natural integration with other HashiCorp technologies like Terraform and things like that. So this is really built for a tight DevOps uh, deployment cycle using uh, the build pipelines. Uh, you can call image builder from a pipeline and do tasks. Uh, it's also integrated with the uh, Azure, uh, the preview image builder Azure DevOps task. Um, Rolls right off the tongue, very easy. <laughs> but yes, it, it does. It's going to allow for some really excellent automation um, from our great partners doing DevOps operations. And it's going to make uh, images a little easier to maintain, I think. Um, you know, and, and the important piece is those customized images, easier to maintain. Yeah. So uh, anytime the uh, Microsoft and all of these big partners are working together to come up with a solution like this, uh, such as Image Builder. I think it's just fantastic because it's it's going to make it so much easier for organizations that aren't using uh, Intune or SCCM. Uh, they can still have a method uh, to get those updates packed into a VHD or an image and push that out to uh, you know their subscriptions in Azure. And as you know, with the, the image gallery, uh, what goes up can also be brought back down. So you can utilize these images, of course, you know, licensing uh, notwithstanding, sort your licensing out, of course. Um, but you can use these images in different things like Azure Stack. So you can have your localized instance of Azure available uh, on-prem, offline, whatever your implementation of Azure Stack is. Uh, I think we all uh, think back to that time at uh, Ignite where Microsoft launched their SUV with Azure Stack on board. Yeah. Um, every time I see even a, a picture online of that uh, SUV, it's really mind blowing to think that it's a full Azure instance, literally on wheels, just driving around. Yeah. I mean, technology, and to think that uh, you can now integrate um, DevOps operations with Azure Stack. Not that this is a new thing today, but uh, you know, it's yet another piece of the puzzle uh, that they're helping to solve. So I think it's just fantastic. And the other piece that I like with this is they're not just talking about Windows. Um, certainly in the enterprise world, we do tend to focus a lot on Windows, uh, definitely my area of specialization, but uh, Image Builder is also supporting uh, various flavors of uh, Linux as well. So uh, Ubuntu, uh, Red Hat Enterprise Linux, very important. CentOS, um, SLES, 
uh, Windows 10 uh, Enterprise as well is supported for the uh, for the image builder. So that's going to be really cool. Um, I can see kind of some future uh, projects coming down the pipe with uh, remote desktop and image builder. Uh, I think it just it kind of writes its yeah. own script there. And, but and, uh, our and it is and one of the part that I like it is they they did draw a line on the sand uh, regarding the Windows Server. So this is this is only usable for 2016 2019 and i'm really glad about that especially no on, more the window, on the windows client as well because i think this is going to be useful for all of this even the ubuntu versions um it's not all of them it's the latest one that's uh, correct yeah, the, 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 the red ads yeah. it's the 7.6 so uh and 7.7 7, so it's you don't have the retrospective that we're starting to see a lot of those ha things happening with Microsoft that they usually they had to to basically build all of these new features, but, but make it compatible um, uh, with older versions. So that's, yeah, so that's the part that I like yeah. about that. Yeah, and I think that's important because, uh, you know, when we see patch Tuesdays, for example, right? So all of this backwards compatibility, it, uh, I think it, to a certain degree, uh, I'm going to be a little bit bold, I think, in my phrasing here, but I think it takes away from the agility of uh, Microsoft. And I think that they're trying to be cautious in their design that they don't focus so much on backwards compatibility, um, but that they focus on enabling organizations to bring older technologies forward. And I think that that's part of this solution. I mean, I'm, I'm extrapolating a little bit on that. Uh, and I, you know, we don't want to go too deep down that rabbit hole, of course, but um, it, it is important that organizations have a continuous upgrade uh, plan, that they know what to do, what they need to do, and have a methodology uh, kind of in their own pipeline to be able to support future versions of Microsoft technologies. So I think this is a big part of that. And it's not just about Microsoft technologies. It's about blending it all together. So building it using the HashiCorp engine, I think, is really smart. Um, it's going to first engage our, our DevOps partners and make sure Definitely. that they help drive the whole product platform forwards. I, I think that that's really quite smart. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one of the other things that I like about this is, is the way that when you build this, and, and I think that's a very uh, good segue for, for the future uh, videos that we can both create, is to demonstrate the, the applicability on this. And probably should do a, a podcast only for that, but basically is to is to be able to create these image template artifacts. So basically, you create your JSON template with all of that, and you start to create a couple other things because it's not only to build the VHD that you are doing; it's to build the template that you can do it. You can associate, for example, certain VM types, so sizes, 
and and now you can start to build instead of a plain blank uh, Windows Server, for example, 2019, you can start to build, for example, a SQL Server. And now becomes really important, something that I think we need to have another podcast idea, for example, about Azure governance. Because when mm -hmm. you're starting to go on the path that you are uh, deploying all of these images and you are starting to build your, let's call, service portfolio with accumulating those images with, with VM sizes and everything else, it's starting to be really interesting because now you're building your service catalog or you're building, let's call it your Azure Gallery, private one, for the purpose of your, um, of your um, in this case, uh, business and organization. And it's not like, oh, I'm going to deploy Azure SQL. Sure, but, uh, or in this case, Azure uh, a VM with SQL running from the gallery. Sure, you can use that. I'm sure that, that, that you can use that as well um, or I think you can use that as well as a, as a standard, but those things, it's starting to get a little bit, um, more automated in this case, we can prepare that, uh, on, on, on that way. At least it's one of the things that I, that I like, um, we have been, been talking a lot of this. This is the most exciting news. Uh, do you want to add anything else? so we can start moving forward. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be the entire podcast talking about image builder. <laughs> it could be. Well, I think we could. I think we could go a deep dive with this pretty soon. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We should mention a little bit about cost, right? So I always like to kind of throw in a little bit of reality with my dreaming. Um, image builder, fantastic brand new preview tool, but there's a cost to using it. So everything. Docs. Um, it does spin up a D1 V2 uh, VM when it's doing the image build, and that instance with its network is attached and uh, 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 active during the build process. Now it is uh, decommissioned at the end of the build automatically. Um, however. Um, you have to understand there's going to be a bit of a storage cost because you're, you know, creating an image, there's, there's data there. So there's going to be a storage cost. Um, so during the creation process, you'll also have some compute and network charges as well. So just a heads up on that. Uh, it's not a free service, um, but it is a really cool service. And, you know, I think those are going to be relatively minor costs, um, depending on what region you're working out of. Um, I think you know, your mileage may vary. <laughs> it's going to be the end on that one. But uh, I think it's a really cool feature, and I'm excited to actually dive in and uh, do a little bit more with it. Yeah. So thinking about network costs, Mr. Nogera, I think we have something else on our agenda that we wanted to address when it comes to networking. Why don't you tell yeah. us a little bit more? And if you guys are following our our podcast, I already put on the screen because I was quick on my fingers to just do that, is the optimize for internet traffic with peering service 
and routing preference option. So all of that is very word mouthful. What does that mean in this case, Andrew? Well, it's going to give us the ability to peer across larger networks, and it's going to give us the ability to add some customized routing. So Microsoft has announced that they've worked with some service providers and exchange providers, internet exchange providers, not to be confused with exchange brand of email servers. So they're using software-defined cloud interconnect, SDCI providers uh, worldwide to uh, provide localized routing and switching. So basically, you're going to have the ability like we've had for years with uh, VPN connections to offload your internet to a local source. Now, it needs to be a partnered source. It needs to be part of this uh, preview service, uh, again, with Microsoft. But the peering service is going to allow you to select your routing preference, and you can go from your... Microsoft global network to the closest pop then to your local ISP. Yeah. And it's going to cut down uh, basically your egress traffic charges out of um, Azure. Um, you know, we talk about it's free to put everything up in Azure, but if you want to bring it down, there is data egress charges. Yeah. So what goes up must come down at some point. <laughs> and the, the, the same, the same yeah. is true. We're going to access data. So if you're, uh, whether you're working from home or you're working in the office, um, you have to get your data out of Azure somehow, yeah. unless of course you're using one of these awesome remote desktop technologies. But uh, many files get downloaded and uh, even if you're in a remote desktop let's say because this is a really good example of this so you're using uh, an azure remote desktop uh, windows 10 spun up uh, let's say you have your routing preferences set to uh, what's a big provider here in alberta canada let's say telus um, so our local provider would be uh, TELUS Internet. And um, we know that they're also partnered with Equinix. Um, so we can go from our Azure tenant down to an Equinix pop and out to a TELUS uh, Internet access as an ISP. So that's going to save internet related charges uh, directly coming out of Azure from your users' remote desktops that are spun up, for example. How do you see this playing out uh, a little bit? I, I see this because the part of the peering is very interesting. Um, when you talk about peering, and usually when I, when I talk about that with, with my customers, um, I always like to, to talk about uh, the different types of peering. Um, usually you have the public peering, the private peering, right? And then you have the 365 peering. Uh, so the public peering is, is it's very easy to understand. And I think that's the part that this peering service is going to, is going to be awesome. Um, it's because the, 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 the problematic that we are facing right now, for example, is when you have express routes. And usually it's where you configure this, right? 
So it was most like exclusively for Express Route. Even VPN, uh, you didn't have this available. Um, no, this, this is much more advanced for it sure. It was way more advanced. So it was more, I see this, if I'm not mistaken, that was almost exclusively for the Express Route. So on Express Route, basically we have a direct connection from your data center, okay, into, in, the, in this case, into this, uh, into Azure, uh, basically. And then from there, you can have this public peering. What does that mean? Means that when you're talking, when you're going to these public services uh, that have, for example, ASR is one of them, you're going through the public IPs. Uh, when you enable the public peering inside of that express route, you are not using anything less. Okay. So the problem that we have with that is exactly the same. Uh, Oh, jeez. That we have exactly the same. Um, and what I what I see with that is 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 this. Um, when I start to 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 go on that path, is is the path that I see um, of the of the company going with from on prem to this uh, as a public service setting of going to the internet, they're going through that express route link. And by doing that, it's easy for them to control and to just have secure. And like you said, the egress traffic, it's depending on, on the, the, the express route that you're having, it's not that um, important anymore because if you're using, for example, the premium, uh, you are not taking any more charges. It's unlimited. Uh, and that happens exactly the same, for example, for the private peering, uh, where you have those private peering means that all the your Azure infrastructure that you have virtual machines running, you are using exactly the same link. But it happens as well, we, and we saw a lot of those when we starting to use, for example, Office 365 and Dynamics 365, that they are different data centers than Azure. So if they are different data centers in Azure, they have different public services. So Office 365 is a public service. So, and the reason to have that is you can use exactly the same express route to enter uh, what, what we call the Microsoft Global Network or the Microsoft Network. This peering service, the interesting part is using ISPs or anything, uh, what you're doing is you and that was always the problem with these branch offices because you are not putting express route express route is is quite pricey for a branch office so and usually you what you're doing is you're doing a VPN right and Absolutely. with the VPN yeah you're not going to put express route in every office exactly okay and, and and that and that and that was the purpose of that and by doing this, what's happening is uh, the problem that I seeing uh, happening is on those branch offices you need to do you need to be very good on the routing part of it so you can start uh, leveraging this with this peering service. They are basically embracing all of the company 
into this peering. So basically, even if you have a VPN or not, and you want to go on any um, Azure Office 365 and Dynamics 365 um, services, even if you have public peering, private peering in this case, or even if you have Office 365 slash Dynamics 365 peering, you can go through this service. That's where I see the value of this. So now you, you're saying to, to either to the ISP or the connection that you're going on that path. Uh, I think it's it's a good way to move forward. Uh, again, it's still it's still some of those things as you see the announcement, and I highly recommend going there um, to just read. And you have a lot of documentation to do it to just embrace and 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 enlarge the wands that you have on your on your um, organization. So it's pretty cool that you can define. For example, the the routing preference that you want, as you see over here uh, on our screen, right? Yeah, I think Andrew? it's important because it's a, it's another step that Microsoft has taken to give customers an option. So in this case, it gives us a secondary routing option to go to the internet instead of over the higher cost. Uh, gives you a different option through a different ISP. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. And then, and that's the part that that is really cool about it is is all of these uh, new ways that you can do it and 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 the use of 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 the peering and and all of that and because it's it's great when you see all of these that we already been working with but it's not every single customer or every single day that you are implementing on you going on a customer that they have express route uh, and that's the part right uh, that exactly. that we 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 are extending that good things that express uh, express route allow us to do it so it will be robust reliable and basically peering that that we are talking about in this case you have the consistent way to do it you can have local redundancy for example uh, or you can have geo redundancy on this peering depending on what you're talking about right so it's it's really really interesting this new feature so one of the other things that i want and i did catch you while you were drinking water but that's okay because we did talk a lot <laughs> Um, is one of the other things that, that I think it's not infrastructure related like we are experts, but I think it's, it's a techy one. And when I see this, um, this, this new feature, it's kind of cool. So what we're talking about is the Azure Maps. So Azure mm -hmm. Maps, if you are not familiar with Azure Maps, it's basically the way that uh, you can pinpoint your location. But what it is cool, and if you see in this case the, the, the announcement, is now that you can create indoor maps. So, for example, they see this, uh, this geographical content that you can do it inside of the building. So you have a building. This is, in this case, I think it's the, the Microsoft campus. Um, yeah, it's the Microsoft campus. And, and basically, you can do indoor buildings. So you can, you can show 
and you can do pinpoint inside of the in indoor part of it. And then it's pretty cool because now, um, especially, and I see this value, um, for example, for um, the, um, the events that we are going. Ignite. Ignite next year is going to be online, unfortunately. Um, but I'm, I'm sure that in 2021, um, I hope so, that's going to be uh, on uh, like in person. And then that's going to be very cool to just kind of pinpoint where is Andrew, uh, where I can talk to Andrew. Uh, I remember this a long, uh, not a long time ago, like a few uh, events ago that we had our tag. And because I was a SME at that time, and I was uh, one of my things besides speaking, it was doing this uh, Azure boot service. So basically became a ask, uh, ask the experts. So they had this RFID on our badges that basically was filtering us. I think it was on your first, um, it was on your first Ignite, right? That you went? It sure was. Yeah. And they had these uh, kind of cool RFIDs and it helped figure out actually quite a bit and open certain doors and some not. And yeah. <laughs> And it's, it, it, yeah, it was it was actually really it, it was really impressive. We uh, but yeah, I think this this part it's awesome. Um, the potential of this is tremendous. But I'm seeing this, for example, on big campus. And when I'm going to Microsoft campus, they have uh, north of a hundred and and fifty buildings. And it's like, oh, I'm on building. 90, building 92, I know where it is because it's where it is the um, the museum and, and the store and everything else. But then other teams, they are on different buildings and they are always switching around. So especially when is the MVP summit uh, that, oh, you need to go on this, um, on this building. And I'm sure that with these Azure uh, maps, in this case, the functionality that will allow, allow us to pinpoint that and especially the rooms, uh, because yeah. in each building, imagine that you have at least ten uh, of the ten of the uh, images, uh, not images, ten of those um, uh, meeting rooms, and then you want to know first where is the building, and then where is the meeting room. Oh. Uh, the meeting and... rooms are the devil in an office. They really <laughs> are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Especially have, when we have, have open, say, when you have open, open spaces, and then you are going around and around and around and say, "Oh, yeah. I, I was here before," <laughs> and <laughs> I think it will help us in this case. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, that indoor mapping feature is really cool. Uh, you know, they talked uh, in their release about Azure Maps about um, some indoor GPS. Um, kind of partnerships uh, that'll work, uh, you know, easy to integrate with Azure Maps through uh, their API uh, for geolocation. Yep. And I think, um, you know, like you said, where it's really going to play out uh, for Microsoft is at those big events, at big campuses where there's multiple buildings, multiple meeting rooms, uh, you know, kind of overlapping and conflicting schedules. 
it makes it difficult and complex for a normal person. Uh, I always think like myself, just a regular guy, to try and find the right room at the right time. Um, Ignite is a really great example of that, you know, um, to track uh, each other down, you and I to meet. Um, you know, I think by day two or three, it was good. Look, hey, let's meet by the, the beverage fridge on floor three at this spot at the top of these stairs here. And, you know, we can figure it out. But why not have this really cool geolocation where we can share our location with each other at the event and connect with different people that, uh, you know, we want to talk to and meet. That's one of those things that I think you and I just love yeah. about those events is the ability to have a little bit of face-to-face, -face, uh, some networking interaction, meeting people. Uh, that was where I met Jorge for the first time uh, in person. You know, I, I don't speak Portuguese, at least not well at all, as you know, <laughs> but I really enjoy meeting all of the different people and the different personalities. Um, you know, Microsoft is such a big family and there's really cool opportunities in there. So I think this mapping is really going to play kind of into that whole family environment uh, that it's the way I think of things. And uh, I think it's going to be really cool. I can't wait to see how uh, we see some implementations yeah. in reality when this comes out. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, uh, when I was reading this, one of the cool ideas that I had um, is you can, you can apply this with a lot of other APIs, for example, the Geofence one. So, mm. um, and the part of that you can apply this with with Azure Digital Twins that basically is UK okay, you have the floor map as we see over here for example and now we can have this as a digital twin of that floor map um, that you can pinpoint some things like depending on uh, because the if you are familiar with digital twins is you have all of those uh, sensors available on that geolocation so now you can pinpoint that. And for example, if you have a sensor that is temperature control, I can see where is my house, it's cooled or not. And, and then you can create like this geo, uh, geo uh, location and geofencing uh, when you can have that, that information regarding, regarding that to see, okay, for example, I'm seeing this in a lot of those practices, like, the usage of this is unlimited. I was almost creating, uh, the, or at not creating, but exploring how I can apply this to my house, for example. Because we, I, as I geeks, we want to, to have our house as much as possible um, with tech, right? Um, and Absolutely. yeah, it's it's tremendous. It's not our sweet, uh, sweet spot in this case, but I think it's a very cool one to just exploring. And we are exploring this, uh, this new um, functionality or this new feature by a totally different vision. Probably if you are a developer and you are listeners and, and, and you want to see this more, I highly recommend going uh, to the Azure blog news. Um, at least you can search it on your favorite browser uh, and your favorite uh, search engine. Um, does it matter on edge chromium? Of course, I'm using edge <laughs> on the Mac and it's, I have to say that 
I enable as a default browser, I'm pretty impressed. I think we so, should we should do a whole podcast on uh, profiles and how that applies to uh, IT consultants. I think we oh, could yeah. really fill some knowledge gaps on that one. Oh yeah, totally. We have a lot of things that we can talk about on this <laughs> Azure podcast. It's basically record and let it open, let it go. And the good thing about this, with all of the problems that I had with my camera and the new setup, um, and I apologize in advance for that, but yeah, this is like open mic and we're talking about all of those things that we, we wanted. So we are reaching the end, I think, at this podcast. So once again, thank you very much for everyone listen. Um, if you are seeing this on, on YouTube, please give a thumbs up to just help us uh, grow these podcasts. And if you want to follow us, is at Azure Centric, either on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, and Instagram. Um, so... In this case, Andrew, where they can follow you or when they can find you? I, apparently, I'm often on uh, Azure Centric lately, but uh, also can find me on my own uh, channel on uh, YouTube at uh, uh, Azure Tracks. Uh, you can find my blog, azuretracks.com, and uh, we're also Azure Tracks on uh, Twitter and on LinkedIn as well. So uh, feel free to give us a visit. We have lots of uh, really great articles and walkthroughs on using Azure technology. And uh, of course, thank you for listening. Uh, you know, you guys are, are what keep us coming back. And Marcos, thank you for having me. Yeah, you, exactly. You and you guys, back. if you have any questions, just just please um, put on, on, the, on the comments and we are more than welcome uh, to, to answer those. So thank you very much for listening to another Azure-centric podcast. See you on the next one. Bye.